Welcome to Illuminating the Scriptures, a study of Nevi'im. In this series, we explore the words of the prophets and delve into the meaning and significance of these sacred texts. Sefer Yeshaya, the book of Isaiah, chapter 10, verses 20 through 27. This section is still a continuation of what we have been reading about until now, which is it's a description of the Assyrian invasion and God's crushing of that Assyrian invasion, miraculously uh, killing out the Assyrian army. And in this, these few verses, we're going to be discussing, the, the prophet's going to be teaching us about the impact that this will have upon the Jewish people. Verse 20, It shall be on that day, this means the day of the crushing of the Assyrian invasion. It doesn't have to necessarily mean a day, a specific one day. It means that time period. It will no longer, the remnant of Israel, and the survivors of the house of Jacob, to lean on the one who was smiting him, Venishan, but rather they shall lean al Hashem on the Lord, on God, Kedosh Yisrael, the Holy One of Israel, the MS in truth. So it's telling us in short that the the be a, a major shift in attitude amongst the Jewish people. The Jewish people will, in the past, they have leaned on the nations that have been hitting them. They lean on Aram which is uh, present-day Syria. They leaned on Ashur, which is present-day Assyria. And these nations were nations that were actually out to get them. And they still leaned on them. And instead, they're, they're, at this point in time, what's going to happen is they're going to realize that mistake and they're going to lean on God. It's not just a matter of leaning on this one or on that one. It's it's a whole different way of thinking. They, they'll be... It's, the idea of leaning on a foreign nation means that they're leaning on what appears to be physical power, military might, uh, political power, and they're going to realize that's not what human beings are supposed to be trusting in. Human beings are supposed to be trusting in the creator of heaven and earth. The double language of Sha'ar Yisrael, the remnant of Israel, and the survivors of the house of, of Jacob is explained as... The, the the first expression, Shari Yisrael, is explained as the, the people in the southern kingdom, Judah and Benjamin, who are loyal to God. And the survivors of the house of Jacob are, are referring to individuals from the ten tribes that understood that this is a, that that it's, it's you know, that the, the ten tribes as a whole were exiled to, you know, out, Assyria took them out to the east. There'll be individuals amongst them that will come back and lean on God. The language that they'll lean on the Lord, the Holy One of Israel and truth, is because there's different types of leaning on God, trusting in God. A person could trust in God, just in general. He, he knows that God created the world and God is in charge of everything. But a, a true trust in God, and using this expression, the Holy One of Israel, is that this person understands... What, what is good in God's eyes and what is negative in God's eyes, and he lives a life that reflects that trust. 
it, 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 the trust permeates his whole life and his whole you know, the activities of his life, his thought process of his life, and and he he only does things that are pleasing to God. Generally, a person only does anything only for one of two reasons: either because he's hoping for pleasure, or he's trying to escape pain. If a person truly trusts in God and has an understanding of God's will in this world, he won't do anything that displeases God because what's he going to hope to get? What's he going to hope to gain out of it? How's he going to? try to escape any any trouble from that the 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 true power the true the true source of goodness is in the direction of god and sin or violating god's will is away from that and there's no hope of any real good from there so if a person truly trusts in god it it reflects in his life and it and it permeates his being verse 21 shar yashav a remnant shall return, Shari Yaakov, a remnant of Jacob. Again, this double language is referring to the remnant of the southern kingdom, the remnant of the northern kingdom. El, Kel Gibar, to the, to the mighty God. Now we have two words over here that have been used in the past. The words Shar Yashuv is a name, the remnant shall return, is the name of one of Isaiah's sons, mentioned in chapter 7, verse 3. And Isaiah already told us that him and his children were signs, you know, and markers, and and you know, the 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 presence of Isaiah himself and his children were supposed to be teachings for the Jewish people. This is mentioned in eight eighteen chapter eight verse eighteen, and here his name of Isaiah's son is used as a description of people of Israel who are returning to God. They're returning to the mighty God. This is one of the names of. The child, we understand, is referring to Hezekiah in chapter 9, verse 5. The child in whose merit all this happens is Pelayoyetz El Gibar Aviad Sar Shalim, which is a wondrous counselor, mighty God, father of eternity, prince of peace, which, again, this we understand that this is the name of Hezekiah representing the miracles and the greatness of God that's reflected in his time. So this greatness of God that's reflected in that time, that's when, that's to whom Israel will return. The name specifically El Gibar, the mighty God, is because God, Israel now truly understands where true strength lies, where real strength is. God is the only true strength. Verse 22. If your nation, Israel, will be like the sand of the sea, a remnant shall return amongst it. Utter destruction is decreed. Will be swept away by righteousness or by charity. The Vilagayan understands this in the following way, is that the Prophet is telling us that as many Jews as exist, they'll be like the sand of the sea, the remnant that returns, their righteousness will cause and bring about that God should sweep away the destruction that has been decreed upon them with righteousness or with God's charity. In other words, God's charity will look at the goodness of the few righteous and that will sweep away the decree that's decreed against the multitudes of people. Radak understands that the verse is saying, yes, the people will be many like the sea, but there'll still be a, rem- a remnant that will always remain. But the destruction that God decrees will sweep through with charity, meaning to say that God's going to destroy only those who deserve to dis- be destroyed. And there, there may be very 
many of them that, that are going to be destroyed, but it will be with righteousness. The ones that are righteous and the, the ones that don't deserve to be destroyed won't be destroyed. So the, the difference is that that word shaitev tzedakah, sweeping away tzedakah, what does that mean? According to Rashi and the Vilna Gain, it means that the righteousness will sweep away the destruction, or it means that the destruction that's sweeping through will sweep through with a righteous calculation. Verse 23, Utter destruction, which is decreed. Hashem Aleichem Tzavakais, the Lord, the God of hosts, the Almighty God of hosts, Isa Bekerav Arts is doing in, in the midst of the land. In other words, this is a time period, there are time periods in history where God comes and decrees destruction to punish the sinners. And the prophet is telling us that time period, in the time of the destruction of Assyria, many nations will be destroyed. So this is a time period of destruction. And going back to verse 22, but amongst the Jewish people, there won't be destruction. Either, again, according to Radak, Towards the remnant, there won't be destruction. According to Rashi, the remnant itself will bring about that to the nation as a whole, there won't be destruction. Verse 24, Therefore, So said the Lord, the God of hosts, Do not fear my nation, you who dwell in Zion, from Assyria. He will hit you with a stick. And his staff, his stick, he'll lift upon you, by the way of Egypt. This expression, by the way of Egypt, according to Ibn Ezra, simply means that's the road that Assyria will be on, the physical geographical location where Assyria will be. Like it says, even though Assyria is to the north of Israel, but at some point the Assyrian king heard that the king of Ethiopia, Tirhaka, came against him, so he traveled south and then moved back towards Jerusalem. So just describing the geographical location from where Assyria is coming, others, such as Rashi, understand that by way of Egypt is that just like Egypt was a tool in God's hands to refine Israel, so too Assyria, back in the days of the Exodus, so too Assyria is a tool in God's hands to refine Israel. So it's a spiritual way of Egypt. 25. It will still be in, in, in a short amount of time. The And my anger will be finished. Is God talking? My anger will be will be finished. In other words, the anger that God had against the Jewish people to, to punish the sinners, as we were reading about earlier, is going to be finished. Va'api, and rather my, my fury, al-tavlisam, will turn against their abomination, their wickedness. And this was described earlier, is that even though we had many, many verses describing the sins of Israel and how God is going to eradicate that, but then it described the haughtiness of Assyria and the blasphemy of Assyria. And God is going to turn his anger from Israel against the Assyrian sin. This is verse 26. Arouse upon him. Stir up against him. The wit against him we're talking about against Assyria. The Lord of hosts will arouse, will, will stir up. The whip, Kimakas Midian, like the smiting of Midian, Bitsur Eirev, in a place called Sur Eirev, which literally means the rock of Eirev. In other words, God will destroy the Assyrians the way he destroyed the Midianites back in the times of Gideon, the book of Judges, chapter 7. It described how God miraculously saved the Jewish people through Gideon. And interestingly, Rashi points out, is over there also the main body of the enemy camp was killed in one place, and the leaders ran away and were killed in a different place. And over here as well, 
the Assyrian army was destroyed by the gates of Jerusalem, but Sanherev, the leader of the Assyrian army, was killed when after he went back home. Umateu alayam, and the staff of God upon the sea. In other words, just like God used his staff upon the sea against the Egyptians, Onisai, and God will remove Assyria from the world. Another interpretation of the word Onisai is he'll lift up that staff, Bederach Mitzrayim, in the way of Egypt, the way God did this against Egypt. So the verse actually using parallel words is in verse 24, the staff referred to, we use almost the same words. The staff was lifted, this is the staff of Syria was lifted, Bederach Mitzrayim, in the way of Egypt, in, in a negative way, and here we're using the very same words. So God's lifting his staff and removing Assyria from the world in the way of Egypt, the way God did against Egypt. Verse 27, His burden will be removed from upon your shoulder. God is addressing the Jewish people. And his yoke and his yoke from upon your neck. There's, the, there's talking about the yoke and the burden of Assyria. The commentators explain that the burden is the practical application of being under the, you know, the oppressive rule of a different, uh, you know, country, and the, the the yoke is just a general concept of being under the the psychological idea and, and feeling of being under someone else's uh, domain. The chubal oil the yoke will be destroyed because of the oil. And this is, in a certain sense, a key phrase describing everything that's going on over here. There's actually several ways of understanding it, but one way of understanding this particular phrase is that they would, they would put oil on the neck of the animal, that the wooden yoke that's on his neck shouldn't harm his skin. So gen- generally, the oil would have to be replenished every once in a while, or else it would, you know, the yoke would you know, scratch the skin or, or wound the skin. In other words, the yoke generally destroys the oil. Here, the oil, which is soft and meant for comfort, is going to destroy the yoke, which is the thing that that causes pain. And the idea is the yoke represents the physical strength, and the oil represents softness. Earlier we had is that the people despised the the waters of, of uh, Shilayach. This is in chapter 8, verse 6. The, the sh- that, that walk slowly, that that that, that travel slowly, and they were happy with the powers of Ritzin and Ben Ramalio. They were happy with the enemy that was powerful. In other words, Hezekiah and the, or the, the kingdom of David, the kingdom of David, which is now represented in, in Hezekiah, represents a type of kingdom which is a humble and and a kingdom that leans on God and doesn't represent military strength. It's the whole heart of David, as expressed in the book of Psalms, he speaks about his poverty and his helplessness before God. And that's the oil. That's the soft and the, and the smooth. And the yoke represents might and what seems to be powerful here in this world. And that, this worldly power will be destroyed be, from the oil of the, the softness of the the kingdom of David, which represents humility before God and acceptance of the kingdom of God.